When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Good evening and welcome to the History of Alchemy podcast. I'm Travis Dow. And I'm Pete Coleman from the Bohemian podcast. So today we're going to talk about someone that... Uh, was known to another alchemist we talked about. Alexander von Zuchten was actually, we mentioned his publisher before. We, we did a show on Benedictus Figulus. Remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah, so um, it's, uh, Alexander von Zuchten was a pretty interesting guy. He was a, an alchemist, obviously, but also a physician, poet. Okay. He was born in 1520 in either Dirschau or Chev, as it's now known, or Danzig, or Gdansk, as it's now known. Uh, not quite sure, but he died in 1575 in Linz. Part of the motivation for this guy is that there's not a whole lot on him in English in, on the internet. So he come up here and there in a book or two, but if you're trying to find stuff about his life, it's kind of hard online. So we're going to fix that today. There's stuff I found in German, and, and uh, so we... we translated it. There's also stuff in Polish because uh, those towns I mentioned are no longer in Germany, except for Linz, but, uh, which is Austria. Um, but uh, Chev and Gdansk are now Polish, so his name in Polish is often kind of translated to or, or changed to Zuchta with a Z. And he's also pretty interesting because of kind of who he knew and, and who his circle of patrons was. And we'll, we'll talk about that. It's... it's um, kind of an interesting guy that it's kind of weird that there's not that much about him in English but um, the family von Zuchten is actually you know there's there's a nobility in there if it has the von it originates from the lower Rhine um, and somewhere around 1400 the family kind of transferred to Gdansk and over the centuries became more and more influential so like some were counselors mayors his his parents, George von Zuchten and Euphemia Schultz, also a paternal uncle, Christoph von Zuchten, was secretary of the Polish king Sigismund I, for instance, right? And a maternal uncle, Alexander Schulze, or Latinized as Sulten, Sultetos, which is weird, um, was one of the very few friends of Nicholas Copernicus. Oh, it's, it's, it's interesting. He, yeah, yeah Nicholas was kind of a... Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it's that, that Polish circle, like the upper crust of, of uh, Polish nobility and, and, you know, Nicholas Copernicus and that kind of thing. So um, another was was a Domherr, which is kind of like a cathedral warden, I guess, uh, to Fraunberg, which is now Fromborg in Poland. So Alexandra attended high school by 1535 in Elbing. In December of 1538, his uncle, Alexander Schultz, passed on a canonry uh, uh, in Frauenburg, which actually is a cathedral wardenship. Yeah. All right, so for those of us that don't know that. Uh, since this position was latter barred for non-academics, he enrolled in, Jan- in January of 1541 uh, in Leuven and studied philosophy and medicine there. Yeah, just because he had to be an academic is kind of interesting. Um, but it's good that he did so because around 1545, um, he kind of gained a reputation enough that he stayed at the court of Albrecht of Prussia in Königsberg 
where his poetry, Vandalus, um, is, which is basically like a Polish kind of tribal legend of the Queen Wanda. Which we mentioned before on this show. Yeah. We have. Yeah, the Queen Wanda uh, was, Maybe was, 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 in... was a witch of... Uh, uh, oh, we mentioned we... the character. The, the character, oh, okay. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and between 1549 and 1552, he was an alchemist uh, for Otto Heinrich of the Palatinate. So this is a little bit before the kind of golden age of alchemy, but um, still, like, it's, it's definitely in, in the peak there. So an in- interesting time for, for an alchemist. Um, so if, at this time, you have to imagine uh, the capital of Poland was Krakow, was the name mm-hmm. of Travis. So it, it was one of these, these capitals that really drew a lot of people in, and it was a, a seat of Poland uh, power. Uh, so, and, and especially in that, that golden era that you're talking about between 1554 and 1557. You know, he probably did attend another university, Italian University in Ferrara, uh, and acquired a doctorate in medicine. And in 1563, he tried unsuccessfully for the position of personal physician uh, uh, in Kronzberg. After 1567, he worked with the Strasbourg doctor Michael Toxidis together in Alsace and the Upper Rhine. In the fall of 1574, Alexander took over from von Zuchten, ultimately in the, in the place as a doctor or what we consider as a court physician in Linz in Upper Austria, where he also died by November 7th, uh, 1575. Yeah, so uh, what's kind of interesting about him is he was an alchemist. Um, he was probably even more known as a physician, and he was a very strong supporter of Paracelsus, who we've done a show on. The interesting thing is that he was a supporter of Paracelsus, the physician, not necessarily um, the later Paracelsian alchemist, because he considered gold-making and transmutation of metals just complete quackery, like just charlatanism and not possible. So um, he focused instead on... Uh, what we would today actually call actual chemistry and medicine. But he does talk about um, alchemy here and there because that also is one of his jobs. So instead of um, trying to pick apart what this might mean and, and reinterpret um, who he might have been, we're gonna, I did find some quotes by him, and we'll read through some of these quotes in a minute. Some of the, his, his known works are uh, De Secretis Animoni Liber, or, or the Book of the Secret of Antimony, um, which was published in Strasbourg, and then uh, Antimony Mysteria Gemina in Leipzig, like other chemical writings in in Hamburg in, in 1680, so published far after his death. And that also includes some texts that, again, as we've seen often before, it's not really sure if they're actually from him or not, or if the whole thing is just from somebody else and actually written by a pseudo uh, von Zuchten. So who knows? But... Some of the more interesting quotes I found were, um, some were just like interesting kind of, you know, because he was a poet and he, he was kind of a philosopher. So um, one that I liked was that he said, I am a friend of Socrates and Plato, but still more of truth. Another one is, not everyone may understand the truth, yet it must be taught, should but one in a thousand receive it. So, you know, throw the truth out there and someone will get it. Another one is Time Brings Roses. I think that's like a bumper sticker. Yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> time Brings Roses. All right. <laughs> another one is, is uh, from another quote I found, it, it, which, again, almost makes me wonder if it's from the same person. It's kind of a longer one. I'll try to summarize it. I'll, I'll paraphrase it. But it's, again, this hermetic tradition, which is, which is why I kept it in here. 
So in this hermetic tradition where you have this secret knowledge from Adam and then passed on through Moses, so uh, he talks about that. So, you know, he, he says, Adam, who had knowledge of all arts, um, also received that of medicine from God, right? So even the um, kind of hidden knowledge of medicine was he includes in this hermetic tradition. So, and then, and then he also sub- subscribes to the idea that it was kind of kept secret by the learned, which we've seen over and over again. So he mentions the flood, and then also that during the flood, along with a lot of other knowledge, the art of medicine was also lost. No one knew uh, the art of medicine, basically, except for Noah. And to uh, Alexander, Noah was Hermes, under a different name. So we call him Noah. Other people call him Hermes. All right, so he's put I, a biblical spin on this. An well, Old many bill. people do put a biblical spin yeah. on it, but some people said that Hermes was Moses. So this is kind of a new little spin. I've, that, so I'm like, okay, I'll keep that one in. That's kind of interesting. And then, you know, he says, so everything you ascribe to Hermes, you're actually ascribing to Noah. So that's, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's, it's cool. The tent's big enough for all of us, basically. Yeah. yeah. So then he said that, that uh, Noah, before his death, described medicine, and, um, but skillfully concealing the true nature of medicine, or, among other matter. So after Noah's time, there was a great time of, you know, diseases and people seeking refuge and um, some in herbs others in animal products, some in stones, metals. And this one thing after another was tried without full knowledge of the same. So basically a a time of experimentation, right? But some had the appearance of virtue, but there was as yet no doctor, he says. So the the sick were carried to some public place, those who had had similar complaints, showing them the remedies used by themselves, right? So kind of trial and error. Like one guy was sick and... He said, hey, well, I ate this leaf and it made me better, so you should try the same thing. Um, So such was medicine until the time of Apollo, i.e., he says, 1915 B.C. That's awfully specific. But (laughs) this Apollo was a clever and learned man, and carefully noting those things which proved efficacious in diseases, he began to visit the sick and thus became a public physician to whom after his death a temple was erected and divine honors were paid. So he's saying Apollo is basically just a doctor, right? In such honor was medicine then held which today begs its bread. Then he goes on in some of the Greek tradition, uh, naming a few names and and passing down this, uh, this knowledge until 457 years, again, it's very specific, came Hippocrates, Hippocrates, um, who I think we've all heard of here or there. And Hippocrates also continued the experiments and dabbled in medicine, which um, he... So Alexander credits Hippocrates with inventing methodological approach to medicine. So then from, from this empirical medicine, it gives the Greek a bunch of credit. And then 500 years after Hippocrates, which is finally a round number, it comes Galen, a plausible man who describes the Hippocratic medicine, painting it in beautiful colors, inventing causes and symptoms of diseases, ascribing virtues to herbs, and teaching the cure of feverish illnesses by cold, that of cold, ones by heat. Okay, and then, then he talks about, like, deduction of reasoning, and but he still says at the, at the root of it, it still wasn't a science, but more of opinions, accepted as truth itself. Okay, so there's a, there's a little bit of uh, criticism to Galen, but here we go. I'll, I'll quote this part. 
But God, who is not always wrath with man, has in our time chosen Philip Theophrastus Bombast of Hohenheim. You know who that is? No, who is that? Paracelsus. Paracelsus. Remember, that's only part of his name. Remember? Oh, Remember Paracelsus yeah. had a name that was like, and it, it actually is like Bombastus of Hohenheim. Yeah. Um, to rekindle the light of medical science and to expose the deceit practiced in his, de- in his day. Therefore, this Theophrastus is the true monarch of medicine and will remain so until the end of time. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Yeah, he, so he really held Paracelsus in, in high regard. Um, then another quote, last one, he said, The present time is not ripe for the knowledge of these mysteries, for it has never tasted rest. When the time comes, before the day of judgment, in which the secret of all hearts are laid bare, at that time, says Paracelsus, I order my writings to be judged. Bam. So basically, uh, to, so to Alexander von Zuchten, Paracelsus is the final word. Well, you know, Travis, Galen has his fault, Hippocrates, you know, but... It, it's very interesting, Travis, because uh, Van Zuchten uh, went very, very much into detail to try to, to walk the, 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 uh, the, the researcher from, from one point of Hellenistic background, matching it with biblical Old Testament uh, um, re- religio- religious well, background to, to get to Paracelsus. You know, yeah. and, and there, you know, therefore, I find it very interesting that you know, it's, a, it's a neat history of medicine. In, in it, it is because one you, page of text. You know, yeah. What's great about our the, the show that you have here with with alchemy is that the table is is never uh, never full. There's uh, there's enough room for everybody here, including von Zuchten, that that really kind of turned it back on what we consider to be you know alchemical thought. You know, he was more like you said, more a man of of of, of letters. He was a man of of medicine and and of chemistry. Yeah. So. Um... Basically, my conclusion is, because it's, it's hard to say, like, okay, so he was an alchemist, but I, I couldn't find a whole lot on whether he was actually hired to specifically make gold, which is generally what you think of as alchemy. But if you're also known as a, if your bigger reputation is a court physician, then you might be, you know, creating cures for the plague or more after the elixir of life. Who knows? Um, but clearly a Paracelsian kind of spin on medicine so it, it does kind of make sense. Um, he is said to have just uh, called gold making and transmutation of metals quackery. So this is still possible to, to say those things and, and be an alchemist. But that's why um, in some ways I'd consider him more of a, of a chemist and a, and a kind of a uh, like experimental pharmacist, let's say. Because that's what, you know, that's what definitely what Paracelsus was. So... Um, that's my spin on it. Someone might come back and, and, you know, if they find more stuff in English, correct me. But, um, yeah, I just, when, when I was doing the research for this publisher, Benedictus Figulus, that uh, I thought it was interesting that, okay, let's take a look at this Alexander von Zuchten guy who's has well-connected um, nobility. Yeah, let's take a look, closer look at him. And so now we have. So there you go. By the way, uh, if you want to have a, a deeper look at Galen, I'm, I'm, I'm about... I think I just passed him in the History of Philosophy podcast. So if you want to hear more about Galen and, and how he disagreed with Aristotle or agreed with Aristotle, that's, that's pretty good stuff. And Hippocrates, obviously. And yeah, all those guys. But um, Yeah, anyways, that's, that's about all we have on Alexander von Zuchten. So thank you very much for listening. Thanks. Have a good evening. You've been listening to the History of Alchemy podcast with Travis Dow and Pete Coleman.
For more information about this episode, other episodes, and other information about alchemy, alchemists, and related subjects, visit historyofalchemy.com. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, review, and don't forget to rate us. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments, ideas, and corrections to podcast at historyofalchemy.com or get in touch via Facebook on the History of Alchemy podcast page or Twitter at Alchemy Podcast. Tune in to our sister podcast all about the Czech Republic, Bohemican, which is also available on iTunes or on bohemican.com. Until next time on the History of Alchemy podcast, thank you for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.